Tanya J. Powers for Fox News Radio. Today I'm spending a few moments talking about ALS. Remember the ice bucket challenge a few years ago and how it swept social media and everybody was dumping buckets of ice on their heads and uh, it, it was a huge deal and it raised a lot of money for ALS uh, research, created a lot of awareness. Well, today I'm spending a few moments with John Hamilton, who was diagnosed with ALS, was a carpenter for 30 years. We're going to find out how it's affecting him as well as the treatment he's using. And we're going to talk to Dr. Tomas Holmland. Let me start with you, Dr. Holmland. Let's start off with kind of an, an overview of ALS. What is it exactly? So ALS is Lou Gehrig's disease. This is a neurologic disorder. And what it does, it takes strength away, it causes weakness. That's a key feature of ALS. And this weakness can start anywhere. It can be in a foot, in a hand, it can be the tongue. And wherever it starts, it progresses, it relentlessly gets worse and worse and spread from one part of the body to another. And this is happening without pain, no numbness and tingling, so it's just weakness. And eventually it affects breathing, and when it affects breathing, it often affects a person's lifespan, and many patients don't live longer than three to five years. Okay, let me back up a second. You said this only starts with weakness. Mm-hmm. Do people tend to yeah. think, oh, I'm just fatigued, I don't feel good, I've just been working too hard? Do they brush it off? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if it starts with a little bit of a weakness in a hand, I mean, most people don't think very much about it. And they think that it's a due to a pinched nerve in the hand or the neck. But then, you know, this progresses, it gets worse, it spreads, and all of a sudden they say to themselves, you know what, this is more than I thought it was. And this is the reason why it, it takes some time to make a diagnosis. It's not so easy early on because it so, can be such limited weakness that it's, we can, simply don't know. So for most patients, it takes up to a year before we can make a firm diagnosis. Okay, I want to talk to John for a second. John, I know you're a carpenter. You've, uh, you know been diagnosed with ALS uh, a couple of years ago. Tell me how you started. How did What was the first thing that gave you an idea of, hey, I need to go see somebody? Well, my story, it started, my road to uh, being diagnosed with ALS, it started when I had fallen and injured my ankle, went and I had an x-ray taken and met with an, uh, ner- uh, with an orthopedic doctor. And as he's going over my x-ray and he's examining my legs, he said to me, why are your legs so weak? And I told him that I'd worked as a carpenter for over 30 years doing heavy construction, and I just thought that my legs were getting tired, that they were getting worn out because of my occupation. And he told me, he said, John, no, you're, for, what you're, for your age and what you've done all your life, your legs should be a lot stronger than that. So, as, so he had me get up and walk for him, and as he's watching me walk, he says, I need to get you in to see a neurologist as soon as possible. I don't know if I have a if you have a pinched nerve in your neck or your back that's creating some nerve damage in your legs. So that was my uh, road to, to the starting to be diagnosed with ALS. What I'd like to do, like you were saying about fatigue in your body, is to bring light to the symptoms that I was experiencing, but at the time I had no idea what them symptoms were because of my occupation and thought my legs were just getting tired, fatigued as you said, was I was tripping a lot, I was stumbling. Um, my walk, the gait in my walk was changing. When I would carry any substantial amount of weight, my legs were getting wobbly. I was losing my balance. So that was the on-start stages of the ALS. But at the time, I didn't, I was, wasn't realizing it because I was just considering it with my occupation until I met with Dr. Holman and he ran me through the 
series of extensive testing, and as you said, it took up to almost a year to finally diagnose me with ALS. Wow. Dr. Humlin, is there, I know you said this can start with weakness anywhere. Does it target a certain area more than others or a certain age group or a certain uh, gender? Any, anything that you could shed light on there? Yeah, so it can, it can affect any muscle anywhere, but it tends to start either in an arm or a leg. That's usually where it starts. Uh, and it can strike men and women fairly equally, maybe a little more in men. It tends to affect the older age group, uh, above 50, I would say, but it can actually strike somebody in their 20s. So it's pretty random how it, how it affects us. Uh, and we have pretty, pretty much 20,000 people in this country that are affected. We, diagnose 6,000 new patients every year. Wow, that's a lot. So there is, there is no cure for this? There is no cure for this, that's correct. What, what kind of treatment, is there anything that can slow it down once you're diagnosed or does it depend on where you are? Yeah, so, so that, that's a good point. So the medications we have available, and we got a new medication in September of last year called Radicava. And what that medication does, it does slow down the progression of this disease. And uh, of course, we want something that can stop it or reverse it, but we're not there yet. Okay, I know most people heard of, well, I mean, they've, they've heard of ALS because of, as you mentioned, Lou Gehrig's disease was the name it had for, for mm -hmm. a long time. It's still associated with it. But the ice bucket challenge really sort of got it to the forefront over the last two or three years. Um, what kind of, have you, seen, have you seen more people who might be aware of this and, and pay more attention to symptoms and things like that because of that? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think the ice bucket challenge, uh, in its silliness, and it was a fun thing uh, for a serious condition, I think it really highlighted this condition tremendously. And then, I mean, lo and behold, it brought more than $100 million, actually substantially more than that, into research. And that is, I think, in the end, will be very helpful to find the, the, the right and the best treatment for this. And then, to answer your question too, yeah, I think it made people more aware of this diagnosis, I think so. In, a, in an age where you have to be your own advocate in, in the healthcare industry and, and with your medicine and with your you know, doctors and things like that, at what point, let's say you have weakness in, a, in an arm, a leg, or a something, and you're thinking, man, yeah, I'm just I'm a little more weak than normal, I'm, maybe it's just fatigue, you go to your general doctor, uh, they don't send you to a neurologist. They say, oh, you're just tired, get more rest, whatever. If you miss these kinds of f flags, when do you know, hey, it's time to move to another tier of provider and to a neurologist? How do you know when to make that decision so you're not getting there late? Correct. I think that if you notice that you are weak, not sort of diffused, but in, in one area, let's like say one arm, and you're starting to lose muscle and there is no sensory disturbance, no numbness or tingling, and there is no pain with it, then we get worried. We should remember, though, that most people that have weakness, they are not going to turn out to have ALS. But without pain, no numbness, tingling, progressively getting worse, we are worried. And then it's time to seek advice from your physicians. And if you're not happy with your provider, you know you need to see a neurologist. Okay, I have one more question for both of you uh, on this. Let's talk about the other side of this, the caregivers uh, and the people that, you know, are the loved ones who are helping people who have been diagnosed with this. What advice do, do both of you have for caregivers of people who have ALS? <laughs> it's a tough question to answer. Mm -hmm. um, 
I've been fortunate enough that I have a, a loving wife that's been my main support group with, along with my children and my family and close friends. Um, so that's where I draw my strength to keep on living with this disease. Um, it's a disease that we know that it's fatal. Um, it, it wears on you, but you just have to uh, adapt and, and, and uh, go on with it, you know, everyday life. And I'm just grateful that we have this new drug, Radicava, that can hopefully slow it down, and maybe we'll find that cure someday. You know, I, I, I echo what, what John said here. I, we, we shouldn't forget the caregivers. You, you are so right. I mean, they, they're really part of this, and they high burnout rate and so forth. So, you know, I, support, try to find support with others and be part of the ALS clinics that we have all over the country and the support groups can take some of the burden off their, their shoulders. But ultimately, this, this is tough, and it affects not just the patient, it affects the whole family. I appreciate your, your time, both of you, Dr. Holmland and John. Uh, thank you for your story, and hopefully this will kind of uh, create more awareness and get, get the word out to our listeners who will uh, hopefully benefit from this. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Forever. Thank you. Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. Listen to Fox News podcast shows ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or follow wherever you get your podcasts.